This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship on Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There's a place for you here. For information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the sixth chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, where, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves the treasures of heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes, where thieves do not break in, and your heart will be, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. From dust you came, and to dust you shall return. Some of us with length of days feel closer to the truth of that pronouncement than perhaps others. With the length of days comes a heightened sense of mortality and also a deepened sense of how so much of life has gone so wrong in our world and in our own lives. Yet for all of us at any time of life, even as the ashes imposed remind us of our mortality and sin, the call of the ashes is a call to rest ourselves In the steadfast love of God, it is a call to receive and live God's gift of life. Rend your hearts and not your clothing, says the prophet Joel. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The penitential symbol of Tearing one's clothing as an act of contrition and repentance common to that day is not, the prophet says, to be an end in itself, as though just doing it achieved the goal. The same may be said of Lenten disciplines, 
common in Christian history. It is the repentant turn of the heart to the steadfast love of God that is what truly matters. Without the heart in it, Lenten disciplines, like all religious practices, even just coming to church regularly, can lull us into thinking that just doing it achieves the goal of true faith. There is a danger that it could even turn into the sort of hypocrisy Jesus warns against. Without the heart in it, all our piety simply becomes self-regarding, even self-sacrificing or self-satisfying. This, by the way, is a real danger for clergy who may deceive themselves into thinking their service is a sign of righteousness and the outward piety of their professional practices a sign of true devotion. That is why a wise teacher once advised those who would preach to preach as one dying to others who are dying and as one who is a sinner to others who are sinners. The call of the ashes, however, is to unburden ourselves of any pretense to righteousness, to recognize our mortality and brokenness and be liberated from bondage to self-reliance in all its forms. The poor in spirit whom Jesus praised in the Beatitudes are those that stand empty-handed, ready and eager to receive the gift of God's grace, knowing that only then is their hope and without them, without it, their lives are nothing. All this is not being said, of course, to discourage any Lenten practices anyone may find meaningful. It is simply Jesus' encouragement to direct our devotion to God and avoid the pride of praise, even if it is the praise we bestow upon ourselves. Well, with this encouragement, Jesus provides us with guidance for his followers that some have called evangelical counsels concerning charity, prayer, and fasting. Jesus speaks of almsgiving as something one does without thinking about it almost or without self-congratulation. Do not let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Such giving is simply a natural response to concern for neighbor in response to God's great love. There is an innate sense that the goods of this world are gifts, gifts of which we are stewards. The spirit of such stewardship is a sense that we are called to share. Share because we do not exist for ourselves or even for our immediate family, but for part of the community of all God's creatures. You probably remember the story of the widow who donated two small coins worth no more than a penny and received Jesus' praise for having given what she had from her poverty. In this, Jesus says she gave more than the larger sums of the wealthy. And there have been some interesting studies, by the way, that have shown that poor people give a higher percentage of their resources to those in need than those who are wealthy. 
Studies, these studies suggest that they are simply closer and more sensitive to the needs of others because of the experience of their own needs. However, the studies also show that those with wealth, if sensitized to the needs of their communities, will increase their charity. The key here then is not poverty versus wealth. It is being sensitized to our community with others and our empathy for those in need. A possible Lenten commitment might be examining our giving and perhaps our our own motives in what we choose to share of ourselves and our resources and with whom. Not for the purposes of meeting some kind of standard we invent, but just for self-reflection and expanding our grasp of human needs around us. And as we know, charity alone cannot meet the needs of all our neighbors, here or abroad. What does the spirit of sharing say about the priorities of our government at all levels and our response as citizens? For many in our society, there is a desire to give only to those they think are worthy of help or those who are attractive attractive to them as recipients. The Christian community does not operate with such distinctions, even as God's reign comes upon the just and the unjust alike, and God's love is without limitation or qualification. Lent could be a time for thinking about the needs of our neighbors that we are called to love and the ways in which we can be involved in doing so. Jesus also teaches us to pray with a prayer that we know as the Lord's Prayer. That, too, is part of this chapter from the Sermon on the Mount. We say it every Sunday and at other times. Perhaps you do regularly in your own prayer life. Lent is surely a time to meditate on our prayer life. But again, not to meet a goal of praying more often for its own sake, Jesus was elsewhere critical of those who pray ceaselessly, thinking that by praying a lot, God will be impressed and pleased. Rather, if we immerse ourselves in what we can learn from the Lord's Prayer, we will be enriched in the experience of prayer. The first thing to learn is that prayer is a privilege that comes with being accepted by God as God's children through the saving work of Christ. We are granted the joy of addressing God as a child addresses a parent, a loving parent. You may know that Abba, the Aramaic word translated as father in this prayer, is the intimate form of address that a child would use. A child is dependent on the love and care of parents And so we are dependent also for our very lives on God. And therefore, in teaching us to pray, Jesus taught us a children's prayer. As all loving parents know what their children's basic needs are and provide them as a matter of course, so Jesus tells us that our Father in heaven knows what we need without our asking. Nonetheless, We pray for daily bread and protection from all evil 
because it is a way of living the grace of our relationship with God through Christ. And the petition that God's kingdom come and will be done on earth as in heaven calls us to participate in, participate in as well as pray for the values of God's gracious reign of life, justice, and peace. It is a prayer for God to provide the grace and strength for us to seek these things for our neighbors and for our world that they too may receive their daily bread. Forgiving as we have been forgiven is essential to our spiritual well-being. God's forgiveness is our lifeline. Without forgiveness, broken relationships will never heal. Forgiving others, of course, is often a challenge, especially when they may not be asking for our forgiveness and when the hurts still still trouble us deeply. This prayer is a plea to find our way to forgiveness and calls upon us to meditate on the feelings we hold toward others. And as we examine our brokenness and turn to God for forgiveness, perhaps that prayer should include a plea for greater empathy for and sensitivity to the brokenness of others. We can become very angry at the cruelty and callousness even on the part of some leaders of our own nation's institutions. And it is well to be angry against cruelty and injustice. We cannot forgive them, for they have not harmed us personally. We cannot forgive on behalf of others who have suffered the wrong. But but we can pray for them, that God God would take hold of their lives and, and turn them toward the common good for all. Now, as far as I know, fasting has not been a prominent part of Lutheran piety. However, people do find some meaning in giving up some pleasure during Lent as a tiny reminder of Christ's sacrifice. For those who find it spiritually helpful, well and good. But the idea of fasting as a discipline for greater spiritual depth can also be understood, I would suggest, as a process for examining what one considers the essentials of life and how then to set priorities according to the values of Christ's teaching. St. Paul urges us in this regard. He says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There are, he says, no law against such things. And those who follow, who belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Well, if fasting has morphed into giving giving something up for Lent, then maybe giving up anything in our lives that frustrates these fruits of the Spirit would be a very good choice. And finally, we have Jesus' admonition that concludes our Gospel reading. Do not store up treasures on earth. Store up treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The treasures of heaven are the gift of life in God's abundant, steadfast love.
The treasures of earth are not wealth and power in and of themselves. Rather, it is the arrogant self-satisfaction that they may engender that are the earthly treasures that are doomed to pass away. And earthly treasures are also the religious pride and self-righteousness that turns away from God and into itself. These also are things to sacrifice, to give up for Lent, and to give up for life. Rend your hearts, not your clothing, says the prophet. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. From dust you came, and to dust you shall return. Yes, yes, but the call of the ashes is a gracious call in the midst of our mortality and sin to receive and live the everlasting life of God's everlasting love. Amen.